listening to another edition of the Carbolane Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, Mr. Paula Jamis. How's it going, Paul? It's going great, Jack. It was nice to come off of such a successful introduction to inorganic zincs. So we're starting to get some feedback here of what you guys actually want to hear about. Hit us up at our email address or hit us on Twitter, Paul. Yeah, you can reach us at technicalservice at carboline.com. We're also on Twitter. We're at Jack underscore CTSP, and I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. All right, so last week we talked about, generically, about inorganic zincs. And this week we kind of want to get into a little bit about the main workhorses of the CarboZinc 11 series. However, there are a couple things that we'd like to talk about just to kind of clean up shop from last week. Yeah, it seems like after we were listening to last week's episode, we kind of missed getting into a little more detail about how to check dry film thickness and wet film thickness, and how we go about doing repairs with the inorganic zincs in general. Yeah, so one of the biggest challenges when spraying inorganic zincs is to take the wet film thickness. There's a lot of confusion within the industry as far as the wet film thickness measurements go. There are several reasons why the wet film thickness is almost impossible to get a reliable reading with inorganic zincs. The first being that the solvent evaporates very quickly. When that solvent evaporates that quickly, what you're measuring is no longer relevant to your theoretical solids by volume. That's right, Jack. And if you remember back to our episode on PA2 when we were talking with Paul Kennington, what we're doing with a wet film reading is we're taking a, a notched gauge or a tooth gauge, kind of a comb gauge sometimes they're called, and we're trying to push it through the paint and have it come in contact with the base metal that's underneath it, the substrate that's underneath it. With this much inorganic zinc sitting on the surface and a solvent that's evaporating out so quickly, it's really easy to get erroneous readings that don't necessarily indicate what that actual film thickness is. Additionally, the second reason that makes it kind of hard to measure that zinc is there's like 85% zinc in the dry film of these products. So when you try to take your wet film comb and stick it into your coating, the chances of you actually putting it down on the substrate are hard without kind of moving it back and forth. And if you move it back and forth, that messes with the integrity of that reading. That's right. And that overlap of those zinc particles, and, and we are talking, we're in high 80s for most of these, and, and these are 85% plus or minus 1 or 2% here in the CarboZinc 11 series. Really what you're looking at is what makes that zinc work is its overlap and the way that they lay down with each other it also makes it really hard to get a good wet film thickness reading with them. The other thing that we wanted to talk about just to clean up shop was the recoating or repair of inorganic zincs. A frequent problem in the industry, because it is hard to take those wet film thickness readings, is they go in the next day and they take their dry film thickness and they have a low dry film thickness. So they need to add more material to get to their recommended thickness. That's right. And one of the problems that you're going to run into is the recoat window for zinc on zinc is very, very short. And you typically want to be doing it well within 24 hours of application. And in that time period, that's when zinc is really doing its curing. And what you've done is you've lost the ability for that second coat of zinc to stick to the first coat of zinc if you get outside of 24 hours. And in some cases, if you get outside of even less than that, that time period is very short. So what you want to do is as fast as possible as soon as you get dry to the touch, you want to start trying to get dry film thickness readings to make sure that you're in the ballpark of where, where you need to be. And there are some techniques 
to get a good dry film thickness reading even before your coating is completely dry. We talked about the application a little last week, but what I always tell people is that inorganic zincs really are the easiest to spray as far as all industrial coatings. However, they have a high learning curve. Once you learn the feel of the inorganic zinc and your target distance and the overall appearance of the spray, it's pretty much impossible not to hit that thickness every time. However, that learning curve is a little bit of adjustment because you don't spray it like you do other coatings. So that's where you end up with these issues. That's right. And so during that learning process, one of the easiest ways to, to check is to verify, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes later, you can come back and you can use your standard dry film thickness gauges. And what you want to do is use a shim. And you're going to set a shim down on top of it, a shim of known thickness. Measure important. it. Important. Yeah, that's really important because you need to know how thick that shim is. Because what you're going to do is take a reading and then subtract the thickness of that shim from it. So if you're using a shim that measures 8.2 mils, you're going to subtract 8.2 from whatever the reading is that your gauge returns to you. Let's go ahead and talk about the Carboline Carbazinc 11 series products. There are multiple products within this product line. We're going to focus on three of them, but first, you know, the Carbazinc 11, the original, it's, it's kind of the backbone of Carboline. It's really where this company took off and probably responsible for the most famous case history we've ever had. It sure does. Back in 1966 and 67, when NASA was building the vertical assembly building down in Cape Canaveral, mm -hmm. they coated all of the steel structure with Carbazinc 11. In fact, this was one of the largest buildings ever built at the time that it was constructed. The building's over 52 stories high, more than two city blocks long, 515 feet wide, and 150 feet taller than Florida's highest building. 87,000 tons of steel were coated with Carbazinc 11. As an example of the type of performance that inorganic zinc gets, and Carbazinc specifically, so the vertical assembly building was coated with 3 mils of Carbazinc 11 over an SP6 blasted surface profile. And this coating system is still in place today. There was no top coat ever applied to it. And in fact, Cape Canaveral, being where it is on the coast, is an, actually an extremely corrosive environment for steel. And due to its long service life, the building actually won the 2017 SSPC Charles Mungo Award. This is an award for the outstanding achievement in industrial or commercial coatings project demonstrating longevity of the original coating. It really is a fantastic example of what inorganic zinc can do. One of my other favorite Carbazinc 11 case histories is we commonly put our panels out for exposure in Southern Florida. Well, the racks that we usually put those uh, coatings out on are gal typically galvanized racks. And the Carbazinc 11 panels lasted longer than the racks. Yeah, they've had to replace those racks, but yet the panels, they took them off, they put in a new rack, and then they put the panels right back onto the new racking system. Another example we had was we had a bridge right here in Missouri that in 1970 they painted with Carbazinc 11 and they never put a top coat on it. It's just a bridge over a highway in a rural part of Missouri. And that bridge was left untop coated. They went back for periodic inspections. And in 2003, that bridge was still in fantastic shape. And that was the last time an inspection was done on it. While those case histories are about Carbazinc 11, there's a direct correlation to the performance with the Carbazinc 11 FC and 11 HS. 
So a quick overview, these are the three products that we really want to talk about with our Carbazinc 11 series. The 11 and the 11HS are tried and true and have been around for a really long time. The main difference between those two is 11HS is a high solids version with low VOCs. I give that an asterisk though because it still has 288 grams per liter, which is extremely low for an inorganic zinc, however, to use it in areas with tight VOC restrictions, they have to have an exemption for these types of materials. And a lot of areas do have this exemption. So you'll need to check that with your local authorities and your local regulations to make sure, but there is a lot of exceptions for that. So the 11HS comes in at about 75% solids by volume, where the 11 and 11FC come in a little bit lower at about 62%. The other main difference that you'll see with these products is packaging. The 11 and 11FC come in two-part packaging where you have your base and your zinc filler. The 11HS has an additional package that is the activator. A lot of people prefer less components when it comes to mixing and, and there are companies that will put in the zinc in their base preloaded. We even have a few products. But as a former applicator, I really appreciate the fact that we don't pre-mix the zinc because like we discussed last week, you need an agitator on your pot to spray these so the zinc doesn't fall out. And you're going to spray most of that material in a short amount of time. So what happens when it stores and sits on the shelf, Paul? Yeah. Or think about as it's driving down the road in the back of a truck and it's vibrating. Essentially, you're forcing all of that zinc to settle out of the solution and it's going to settle on the bottom. And it just sits there and bounces its way down the road and makes it harder and harder. And it's going to be more and more difficult to mix in. And zinc has a tendency to tight pack at the bottom of a bucket, not just sit there. I truly believe that the addition of the zinc and mixing is significantly less time than to reincorporate settled out material. That's right. One of the other things that we want to look at as, as a slight difference between these products is Carbazinc 11 and 11FC can both be applied down to zero degrees Fahrenheit, which that's great for a lot of areas, especially when we talk about it and say, how cold is it going to get overnight? How cold is it going to be in that first 12, 16, 24 hours worth of cure? Now, Carbazinc 11HS, it does only go down to 15 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, it's still colder than I want to be painting in, but, you know, we're talking about overnight temps too. The other thing that we need to point out, 11 and 11HS can both be applied down to 30% relative humidity. If you remember from last week's episode, we talked about the role that humidity plays in the cure of these types of products, how important it is. And, and really, we want to keep it up around 70 or 80% for, for ideal curing, but you can apply these at 30. Now, the FC, you know, that does stand for fast cure. The whole way that that is achieved is it needs more moisture all the time. So that minimum is 60% relative humidity. The other main difference in, in why FC is important is FC stands for fast cure. So now one of the drawbacks of the inorganic zincs has always been that it, it is a long time to recoat. You're usually the next day, um, 18 hours or so with the right humidity levels and right temperature levels. So what we want to do with the 11FC is we speed up the product. We have a higher requirement for that humidity level. We talked last week how these products cure. So now we have a dry to handle in 30 minutes and we're recoating in four and a half hours instead of the next day. It's not quite the speed of an organic zinc, 
but for an inorganic zinc, it's really a, an improved recoat time. Yeah, that product really was a game changer for allowing things throughput through a production facility. And all of these three products are going to perform relatively the same when we look at our performance testing. So, Paul, let's take a look at the different performance testing we have for these products. Yeah, I think the first thing that we need to note, all of these products have slip B uh, approvals for doing fading surfaces. So they're all going to be equivalent when you get into that. They have a little different, different, little different number, but they all, they're all approved for that service. All three of them are going to be around 85% plus or minus uh, zinc in the dry film. That's, that's important. It really is. And because that zinc we know is the workhorse of how it's performing its galvanic protection in these systems. The amount of zinc in the dry film does have that direct correlation to corrosion protection. It's also important to note, ASHTO is one of the real popular uh, methods for DOT testing for bridges. And Carbon Zinc 11, 11HS, the ASHTO M300 testing, which is for uh, DOTs use this certification, and these products also have that certification for the Ashto M300. The Carbazinc 11HS has some pretty impressive ASTM B117 numbers. That is our salt spray test that's universally used across the industry. It's basically a salt fog humidity cabinet. And the 11HS has performed at over 70,000 hours without any sign of corrosion. That's right, Jack. We're we're up over eight years, and in fact, I think we've even got where that test is continuing, and I think we're even higher than that now, and it's just continuing to run, and that's eight years of solid testing, and there's still no there's no rust in the scribe. Yeah. So, the only thing that you typically see when these zinc products are exposed to any kind of accelerated weathering test is you might see a salting on the surface, and that salting is a byproduct of that zinc protecting the steel. You'll commonly heard that referred to as, sometimes you'll hear people call it white rust, or they'll call it zinc salts, and that's really what it is. is it's a combination of the, the chloride ions from, from the environment, from the salt in the air, and the zinc that's in it. I'm reminded of a John Madden quote. I'm, I'm a football fan. I watch a lot of football, and, and one time there was a game, and John circled a, a player's got sweat all over his back and he's like you see that that means he's working well that zinc salts is exactly that's how you know the the carbon zinc 11 or inorganic zinc products are working that's right that that <laughs> product is, is a sign of them doing their duty my other favorite john Bannon was you see that he's running on both legs thanks john <laughs> real insightful there anyway there's a lot to be said about these products, and the case histories alone tell you more than we could in any kind of performance testing or, or anything that, that we have from the lab. The NASA case history alone is just a tremendous feather in the cap for the Carbazinc 11. It really is, and, and as we've been doing this research, I mean, there's pages of case histories of Carbazinc 11 in different systems, both top coat and without top coat. One of the properties that we didn't touch much on, inorganic zincs have very good temperature resistance as well. They're used in a lot of high temperature applications as the primer, sometimes without a top coat, sometimes with. We use it in a system, we'll apply a, a coating over the top of it, and it'll go up to seven or 800 degrees for constant service. 
and they perform fantastically for years and years and years and years. I think that about does it for these inorganic zincs. There's going to be many more topics that we can have related to these products further on down the road. I think coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do an episode on the corrosion cell because it became obvious to us as we were recording this one that that would be a good topic. Yeah, it really will. Being able to get down and dirty into what that process actually is and how do you stop it. Yeah, and what, what we basically try to do working here at Carmeline. That's right. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.